Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Kaveh. Thank you for joining our humor adjacent <sighs> little medical podcast. That sigh, that heavy sigh you, you hear, that was my guest co-host for the day. You know him. You love him. His name is Propaganda. I'm, I, you know, when I introduce you, there's almost too many things. So I'm going to just run yeah. down a little list of the things <laughs> okay. that you are involved with. And then, you know, I'm going to cut it off at a certain point. You can add whatever you like. Okay, cool. I'll okay. Fill in poet, the poet. Yes. Political activist. Yes. Podcaster. Yes. Academic. Yes. Coffee aficionado. Absolutely. And now you are a musician. Okay, so we, we describe rap artists as MCs. Yes. But would it be unfair to just call you a musician? What, what do you prefer? Um. It's like, it's like this. Uh, best way to describe it is like, if you are not a Californian and someone asks you, and you ask a person, where are you from? And they go, well, I'm from LA. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly acceptable. Even if they live in Pomona, uh, Claremont, like, you know, 20, mm-hmm. 30, 40 minutes out, it's perfectly acceptable to tell someone why I live in Los Angeles. Like that's, that's fine. Now, if you're in Los Angeles, if you are a Californian and somebody says, where are you from? You go, I'm from L.A. And they go, oh, really? What part? And then you say something like uh, Laverne. Then mm-hmm. we go, that's not Los Angeles. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So, I gotcha. so outside of the genre, yeah, I'm a musician, you know, but if somebody like who knows what they're talking about, it's like I'm I'm an MC. Like I'm a, I'm actually I'm a rapper. Like there's. Yeah. A, a specific because i don't make beats i don't do production mm, you know what i'm mm-hmm, saying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but i make music yes yeah yeah I, I i get that i get that i um this is the part of the show where i compare myself totally unjustifiably to an actual professional musician but 
so I'm like, uh, you know, I've been playing music for a long time. I've been in bands for a long time. The, the music on the show is all like our music. Yeah. And um, every now and then someone will call me. They'll be like, oh, you're a musician. And I'll be like, no, not really. I mean, I play the music. I write the music. Mm-hmm. But I see myself as more of a performer. Like yeah. when I'm I, I when I'm on stage and we're playing shows, yeah. I'm trying really hard to be entertaining. I'm trying to make the music yeah. great. I'm like trying to like get jokes in and do crowd work and all that totally. that stuff. But like, I, I don't. I've never seen myself as a musician. Um, that's interesting. It's, it's good, but that's not the reason we have you on today. The reason today, yeah. and I love having you on. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for um, having me on, man. You guys are light years smarter than me, dude. I love being on stuff that I can pretend you, like I'm just as smart. You are just as smart. I mean, it's just a matter of what you decide to dedicate your, your life True. to, I mean, True. you dedicate your life to a lot of other really important stuff. And one of those things you write about coffee a lot. I do. And so coffee is near and dear to my heart. Um, and we're going to talk about that today with our, our guests when they come on. But, but first tell me a little bit about your relationship with coffee. Yeah. I came into coffee like everybody else. Like, you know, you're watching your parents drink it. Oh, what's that? You know? And then, you know, pouring a ton of like artificial cream and sugar in it, you know, Mm -hmm. just to like shoot yourself up through college, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and um, then I started touring. And once I started touring, um, yeah, it starts off with like, you know, you got the long stretch between like, you know, Kalamazoo and Detroit, and you're just trying to make the drive, you know what I'm saying? And pull up in the gas station, but then you get to the city and it's like, oh, well, who's got free Wi-Fi? So you just find a coffee shop. And mm-hmm. then you start ordering drinks there and realizing like, man, they're taking a lot more time than I do, you know, and they got all the cool gadgets back there. And you mm-hmm. just like, you start getting curious, drink that and then get back on the road for the next night and try to stop at the gas station again. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this tastes different, you know? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. that's, the, then it begins. Then you just fall down the rabbit hole. And that's essentially what I did, you know, fast forward to now where there's, you know, a $5,000 espresso machine in my house, (laughs) you know, there's 20 ways to make coffee right here to my left, you know, um, and I'm like keeping them at optimal temperature, like next to the humidor for the cigars to make sure that the beans don't lose their oxygen. You you went way down the rabbit hole. You get, you you get extra. Yeah. And then you, then you, then for me, it was like, once I discovered uh for myself or once i learned for myself that coffee came from africa and that from ethiopia no less and that it only grows at the equator and then i was like oh now it's a justice issue because as i'm looking through specialty coffee world i'm like gosh i don't see any people from the equator here you know what i'm saying (laughs) and i'm like we don't seem to have our hands in right. I mean, coffee has its own stock market, no less. It's called the C market. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm like, yeah. this is a billion, billion dollar industry that the people from the origins have no hand in. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, now, now it's part of my justice work. Now I'm like, I'm participating in mm-hmm. the diaspora in my ancestry yeah. by enjoying coffee. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, and right, and right. making it a part of who I am and um onboarding uh you know the coffee that was you know in in its at some point like anything reached a level of snobbity that i feel like has a bell curve you know what i'm saying that mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you know there's like the people that just get into it like if you go to a city that just got its first specialty shop they're like oh we don't have cream and sugar you're just like okay kick rocks bro like this is 
you invented coffee come from the 1500s dog like you invented it you know what i'm saying you 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 perfected coffee relax you know what i'm saying <laughs> so then so then you come around the other end and you're like no i just want to share this with everybody you know what i'm saying that experience um you know as coffee has traveled the world and you know from ethiopia to yemen to turkey to you know to belgium and then yeah. you know to scandinavia then back down to, you know what i'm saying like the then in the Italy and all the little pieces that across the world that have put their hands on this product, it yeah. has made this truly a global like experiment um, and experience. I'm like, I think that's beautiful. And I just, yeah. I, I see the, the bigger picture and I know it's a long answer. That's a great then, answer. Yeah. It's also, there's also more to it. <laughs> I, I, I know I got, well, maybe we'll make this like a, a two or three part or have you back. Um, Cause I can talk about coffee a lot too. I, I do have a special relationship with coffee. I didn't grow up with it the same way. In fact, you know, in Iranian households, it's all about tea. Yeah. So like they, you know, and by the way, there's an interesting history there because it used mm -hmm. to be coffee and then it became tea yeah. in Iran. But like, um, so, so for me, it was very utilitarian just to keep me going during medical school. Totally. Like I needed something to get me yeah. through the nights and residency, all that stuff, and then start to appreciate it on a different level. Just before our guests come though, can you help explain um, to our listeners what fair trade coffee means and yeah. how important that is or isn't? Yeah. So there's, so there's different types of like ex in, you know, importing from the farmer to uh, to the States or to your cup. So there's direct trade and there's fair trade. Um, and essentially the idea is this is like, who's paying the farmer and are these wages fair? So essentially it's like, if there's a middleman, if for lack of a better term, that's a corporation. So this corporation essentially bought this plantation, this plot of land that a farmer may actually live on. And so since they, since this corp quote unquote own, owns the farm, owns the land, they can pay the farmer whatever they want. You know what I'm saying? So that would be an example of something that is not fair trade, right? Gotcha. So yeah, yeah. a fair trade is more of a situation where I have went in. So there's two types, again, there's fair and direct trade. So like direct trade is just like, yo, I found this dude down in Colombia. I flew down there. I tasted their beans. I bought it from him direct trade you know yeah, what i'm saying like yeah. mm -hmm. I, he mm -hmm. wanted this i paid him this you know what i'm saying um but then there's other ways to do fair trade that are still like uh at least equitable where it's maybe maybe you bought maybe on there you can parcel out farms like so if a person says so if a a, a farmer says y'all i'm gonna lease this like two acres of my farm to you you know what i'm saying so that would be a fair trade thing because i paid for the acre do you feel like if you go into a Starbucks and and we could talk about that too? Well, maybe we'll do that later in the in the show. I'm curious to know if you would even go into one. My first job, by the way, one of my yeah. first jobs was uh being a barista at uh -huh. Star at Starbucks. Interesting job prepared me in some really interesting ways for medicine. Yeah. But if you go into a Starbucks, do you feel like if you bought a, a fair trade coffee there, that would um do you feel like confident? I mean, it's fine. It's like, you know, it, it, you have to think of it, like you said, like in, when you first said utilitarian in the sense that like you have to put yourself in the farmer's shoes in the sense that like if am, am I outraged for this farmer, you know what I'm saying? Or is this farmer at the other end of it going, well, I don't care. It's, Star, it's the biggest company in the world. They bought some beans from me. That's great. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. it's a little bit of like A and B. I, I mean, for taste purposes, I wouldn't buy a bag of 
Do you know yes, what I'm saying? Right, right, right. But uh, I think that like one thing that it, it is true that I would be, it's not necessarily whether it says fair trade or not, it's more what they paid per uh, per pound. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so there's like like i said there's like a like it fluctuates like the stock market you know what i'm mm-hmm, saying mm-hmm. based on you know harvest you know rain climate change all that like yeah. um and um so because they buy so much there's a possibility that they really didn't pay the right way above market or yeah. at market for this yeah. bag so i think it's more that's the part that will more bother me because they're like well what are you talking about we just we just bought 45 acres of your coffee. Right. And I'm not going to, I'm not going right. to pay you above market for that. Pay you now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I just, I bought your whole plot. Like mm-hmm. leave me alone. You know what I'm saying? Which is like, it's, I mean, it's you, you could feel the same way you do going to like a Walmart or a Costco to where yeah. it's like, I mean, it is what it is. You know, this, there might be a farmer out there, like a small time plot. That's like, yo, man, even if they paid under market, it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> I got to deal with Starbucks. That's, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's like, well, right, you can, right. if you're not mad, I'm not mad. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Um, you know, I don't want to like, you don't want to like project our issues onto them. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, it's like, I feel like if you can avoid it, you should avoid it. You talk about this a lot. Where can people find your more information from you? Yeah, on this? Where can they also find your music as well? Absolutely, man. Prophiphop.com that's just my website and it's also my social handles prop hip-hop and on there there's a there's even a page that says coffee and mm-hmm. you could just go to the page i uh, i link a lot of roasters across the country that i like i'm passionate about um there's like on my youtube there's like you know brew methods you know videos for like how to do stuff stupid funny like um adventures mm-hmm. you know i'm going to Colombia next month you know we're gonna have some more uh, on a sourcing trip Go check out some beans down there. Um, the Anthony, Anthony Bourdain of coffee. I love I that. him. That's the goal, man. Netflix, that's hit a, me up. I would watch that show. Oh my god, I would right? watch that show. Um, all right, okay. So yeah, please go check out um, Jason Petty, aka Propaganda, aka Prop. I should tell you, aka for Doctor stands for Above the Knee Amputation. So every time I say that, Ooh, it throws me a little giggle. bit. Yeah, giggle but, a little bit. But yeah, yeah, a little. But you know what? absolutely please follow him on twitter and check out his website please check out his music i'm i'm actually uh, legitimately a fan of it so i think you guys will like it as well all right our guests are here everyone stay tuned dr elliot tapper is a hepatologist or a liver doctor at the university of michigan and he studies cirrhosis and dr sanjeev chopra is a professor of medicine at the harvard medical school and the author of a recent book on the benefits of coffee. So we're going to talk to them. Stay tuned. Yeah, there you are. Hello. Perfect. There he is. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. How are you? I'm very well. So I'm Kave. Great sounds to like, meet you. Sounds like agave. Um, okay. Uh, we have Jason Petty, otherwise known as Propaganda. An, uh, <laughs> excellent musician, writer, academic, coffee aficionado. And we have awesome. Dr. Elliot Tapper, who you probably are all, uh, also familiar with. Sure, of course. 
Hi, okay. everyone. Hi, Hello. Hey, it's been a long time. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice to have you all on. This is a very interesting and a uh, a very unique yeah. uh, group of people. I I honestly don't think any other podcast would have these this this particular conglomeration of people on. And and I'm it very proud and it of that. and it sings to the 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 joys and pleasures of coffee. You see That's what coffee can do. See what coffee so, can bring us all together. Ah, see what coffee can come do. Come on, bro. Elliot. Where's your cup, Elliot? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking Mountain Dew. You drinking Mountain Dew? Come on, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> let let the record state that yes. Dr. Tapper all... is drinking yeah. Mountain Dew. Yeah. So so take in take into account whenever he gives any health advice from this point on. <laughs> I'm just saying the doctor's drinking the sweetest of sodas in yeah. the world. Yeah, it, it's it's sugar free, so I, I, I I'll yeah. be well preserved. That's about it. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, uh, we're this is going to be fun. You know, coffee is a subject near and dear to my heart, and uh, there's a lot of information I think that's coming out and and just come out in the last couple of years about it, and still coming out um, about the health risks and benefits of coffee. So um, it's going to be, I think, important for us to sort of address it in a, in a fair uh, manner, go through both the positives and the negatives. And then I want to talk a little bit um, about uh, personally how we take our coffee and, and how we choose to drink coffee and what impact it has on our lives. I think there's a lot to be said there. But um, first, let me start with you, Dr. Chopra. You know, you, you've written uh, a number of books. You've written, Dr. Chopra says, and brotherhood you wrote that with your uh, brother deepak chopra coffee the magical elixir you have written a lot about the health benefits of it let's talk about get out of the way if we can some of the known health risks of coffee before we get into some of the the positive sure. so what coffee does have some side effects and we'll talk about that right away but when we talk about the health benefits we'll see that the health benefits completely dwarf the side effects. So what are the side effects? You can get heartburn, gastroesophageal reflux disease. And it turns out it has nothing to do with the caffeine. Coffee is made from roasted grains and the peptide in the grains causes the release of a hormone called gastrin, which causes the stomach to make much more acid. And if we have a weak low esophageal sphincter, then the acid comes upstream, get heartburn. So both regular and decaf coffee can cause heartburn. It can lead to insomnia, some people can drink coffee at dinner. I go out with friends and this couple will have double espresso at dinner at nine o'clock. And if I were to have regular coffee after 4 p.m., I'd be up till four in the morning. Mm -hmm. So insomnia, gastroesophageal reflux disease, tachycardia, slight increase in heart rate, slight increase in blood pressure to the tune of two millimeters of mercury per cup of coffee. But if we keep drinking coffee, we develop tolerance, and then that doesn't happen. Um, in some people with irritable bowel syndrome, which is a very common syndrome, afflicting 15% of the world population, and they have either constipation predominant or diarrhea predominant. If they have diarrhea predominant, coffee can lead to worsening diarrhea. And then there are some people who have anxiety, and coffee will actually make them much more anxious. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So those are the, you know, I think a long time ago, I mean, not that long ago, I think one of the prevailing concerns has been the blood pressure, which you, you discussed. Right. And I, I did read that as well. Another concern I've, I've seen is cholesterol. 
And it does seem that there might be some change in, in how you take your coffee and how that might influence the cholesterol. Do Dr. Tapper or Dr. Chopra, do you have uh, any evidence about that you can bring to our attention? Well, I think the important thing that you brought up is how you're drinking your coffee. And uh, I think coffee at its healthiest is without any additional calories, any cream or particularly sugar. But it is true Amen. that we have randomized trials of coffee that have shown that you'll actually have increases in triglycerides, which is basically fat circulating through your blood and the bad cholesterol, LDL. So even though we have large data that tells us that you're less likely to get a heart attack or heart failure when drinking coffee, we have this somewhat conflicting data in trials that says that the biomarkers of risk for those things can actually be elevated by uh, drinking coffee. That's a very good point, Elliot. I think one of the ways to look at this is to say that there are biomarkers and there are biomarkers, right? Cholesterol is not the entire story. And it's really amazing to me that even my brilliant Harvard Medical School cardiology colleagues are too, sometimes too cholesterol-centric. Mm. And there's a product called TMAO, trimethylamine oxide. When you and I have red meat, we make much more of TMAO. And TMAO correlates with the risk of heart disease and stroke independent of all the other risk factors like hypertension, high cholesterol, family history, smoking. There's an animal model, ApoE deficient mice, and they get atheromas. And if you give them an antibiotic, because it's the microbiome, the gut microbiome that converts lecithin into TMAO, and then the liver has a role in it. If you give these ApoE deficient mice with huge atheroma burdens an antibiotic, their TMAO levels go down and the atheroma burden decreases. So at the end of the day, I think we have to be very careful. Yeah, you have to have a concern, but at the end of the day, what might kill people is not the high LDL or the high cholesterol. Um, and if there's a low risk of atrial fibrillation, heart failure, seven cancers, Parkinsonism, Alzheimer's, cognitive decline, diabetes mellitus. And if you already have type two diabetes mellitus and you drink regular decaf coffee, two cups, 30% reduction in cardiovascular mortality. Diabetics who are at risk for cardiovascular disease. So uh, these studies keep coming. Often there's the refrain, these studies come and go. You know what? For coffee, they've been coming and coming. Some 25 years ago, there was a scare. And we should put that out there, that people who drink coffee have a high risk of pancreatic cancer. Published yep. in the Journal of Medicine. And negativity is very heavily weighted. If we see something negative, we remember it. And then there were six studies debunking it and criticizing that paper. But even now, a few of my physician colleagues will say, hmm, wasn't there a link with pancreatic cancer? And the answer is it's been debunked. There's seven common cancers, head and neck, breast, endometrial, colon, skin, prostate, and liver. 
where there's a lower risk amongst coffee drinkers. And the recent study in JAMA Oncology blew me away. People with metastatic advanced colon cancer, so it's already out of the colon, it's in the liver, it's in lymph nodes, et cetera, who drink coffee, including decaf coffee, have improved disease-free survival. Published in JAMA Oncology, and dose-dependent, which always adds credibility. So four cups better than three, three better than two, two better than one. You know, I think the mechanism of coffee's beneficial effects is probably linked to its anti-inflammatory effects. Mm. We're now finding inflammation is the enemy, whether it's cancer, heart disease, liver disease, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, dominant liver disease. And coffee drinkers have lower levels of TNF-alpha, even the name sounds scary, tumor necrosis factor <laughs> alpha, C-reactive protein. They have high levels of plasma adiponectin. Low levels of plasma adiponectin are linked with aggressive NASH, as you know, Elliot. And then the fascinating story, if it has all these side benefits, do we live longer if we drink coffee? And the answer is yes. Five studies, New England Journal of Medicine, Annals, Lancet, and, oh, yes. uh, you know, and, and the interesting thing is you mentioned about drinking coffee. I drink it black. And if I have friends or patients who say, hey, can I add a little bit of sugar or a little bit of milk? I say, yeah, you know what? Go ahead. If you stop adding sugar or milk in two weeks, you won't miss it. I drink it black. But the study from Europe published in the Annals of Internal Medicine a few years ago, 10 European countries more than half a million subjects, they all drank their coffee differently. They all made it differently. Lower total and cost-specific mortality in both men and women. My only refrain, never, never, never add artificial sweeteners. Don't drink Diet Coke. Studies now showing three times the risk of heart attack and stroke. Or Diet Mountain Dew, right? Yeah. Right, Diet Mountain Dew. Diet Mountain Dew is probably not good either, right? <laughs> Yo, uh, if I if I could jump in here, man, two things that I I I I remember that that study uh, years back about you know the cancer risk and me being the um the the coffee uh uh, uh evangelist as I am, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I I was like, well, let me look this up. And those and the people they studied also smoked five five cigarettes a day. So yeah. I'm like, you blaming the coffee? Like you said, the coffee causing this? Oh, these people, five cigarette smokers. Like, don't you think yeah. maybe it's that rather than this? Yeah. That was the first thing, the first thing that caught my attention. And then secondly, I would like to ask both of y'all. Um, so I, I the, the, I'm more, I come from more of the, like the appreciation, the history and the culture and the, the sort of backstory of coffee, you know, again, from Ethiopia to Yemen to Turkey over to Europe and just how everybody and everybody put their different things and figured out, Scandinavians figured out, like, yo, if I roast it lighter, <laughs> it's fruitier, you know what I'm saying? Um, all that to say, uh, you take that 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 Italian uh, espresso or the, um, the Turkish, uh, like the Turkish way of making coffee, we're like, yo, this is, this is mud, you know what I'm saying? And like, and just how much thicker they have. Um, there, I, I was told of studies of like these, these different processes of making coffee can somehow affect sort of the cost benefit analysis of it. Now, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I enjoy 
all versions of making coffee are in my home. Like, you know what I mean? So, so that I'll enjoy them all. But I thought that that was an interesting thing to point out. I was wondering if you guys knew anything about that, about uh, the different processes of making it, whether it's drip, percolated, espresso. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. those studies haven't been done rigorously. There are some studies suggesting organic coffee is better. I think at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves, what is it in coffee? There are a thousand constituents that are so helpful. So one of them is chlorogenic acid. It is the richest antioxidant known to man. So if we're studying different coffees and different processes of serving coffee, it should be, we should be able to look at chlorogenic acid in that particular cup of coffee and say, aha, this is high level, this should be good. There are two constituents, caviol and cafestol. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If in the laboratory I take an animal and I give it a potent liver toxin and destroy the liver, and the animal dies, now I repeat the experiment, but this time I pre-treat the animal with caviol or cafestol, it abrogates the liver injury. Mm. Coffee is insulin sensitizing. So we all know that the term type 2 diabetes, it's insulin resistance. People who drink coffee, you have to drink a lot, six cups a day, 40 to 54% reduction in developing type 2 diabetes. As I mentioned earlier, if you already have type 2 diabetes and drink coffee, low reduction in cardiovascular mortality. Now, the most amazing study to me is the study on telomeres. So telomeres, you know, at the end of my shoelace, I have a piece of plastic. It prevents the fraying of the shoelaces. At the end of our chromosomes, we have something called telomeres. They're caps, and they prevent the fraying of chromosomes and chromosomes from sticking to each other. So long telomeres are linked with longer longevity. And shortened telomeres are linked with accelerated cellular aging. Who has shortened telomeres? And by inference, they're not going to live as long as people with normal-sized telomeres. Mothers of chronically severely disabled children, the stress day in, day out. Caregivers of people with Alzheimer's, right? The loved one taking care of their loved one with Alzheimer's. The person with Alzheimer's is clueless. Who has longer telomeres? Exercise, people on the Mediterranean diet, people who meditate, and guess what? People who drink coffee. And the study showed that increased caffeine intake 
was linked with shortened telomeres. Increased coffee intake was linked with longer telomeres. It's not the caffeine. This telomere study in telomeres is fascinating. Elizabeth Blackburn, Australian scientist, in 2009, got the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine, together with two other colleagues, for work on telomeres and the enzyme telomerase. And you can measure it in the blood. You can measure it in the white cells in the blood. So mechanistic explanations, and it's very important for us to not confuse coffee with caffeine. If you and I have Red Bull or one of these energy drinks, a whole bunch of them with caffeine, you know what? Yeah. We're going to leave this planet sooner. A different story if i if i to go back to your point about you know what what kind of coffee is associated with these best uh, health outcomes i would have to agree that we haven't been able to study that particularly rigorously because you think about like where, what's the sort of stuff that goes into these studies that you've heard about from dr chopra and effectively what it is is you get together tens of thousands of people you, uh, you have a, a big examination and then you ask them a bunch of questions in a food frequency questionnaire and it gets at how many cups of coffee and from that you can make certain inferences about what's yeah. in it. But it, it turns out that in some of the best studies, particularly when it comes to liver disease like scar tissue in the liver, liver cancer, that um, it's at least three or four cups of coffee. And you, you do see the same impact based on when you just look at how much, how many milligrams of caffeine that patient, that person is actually consuming. And I think that we have to give caffeine some credit because when we talk about coffee as an anti-inflammatory, what, what's actually happening is that you may see reductions in some of those inflammatory molecules, but the caffeine is actually changing the way that the inflammation interacts with your body. It actually changes the, your response to that inflammation such that you actually make less scar tissue. So the caffeine is actually an important part of the mechanism. And that's also why you tend to see super robust effects in these large studies from coffee, but much less so with decaf coffee. You can see signals with decaf coffee, but not across the board like you would with caffeinated coffee. So I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go back and just uh, and throw caffeine a couple of bones here. <laughs> no, no, that's that's a very good point. And you know, every study is somehow different, and it's somewhat surprising. Because this study on metastatic colon and advanced cancer, it didn't matter whether you drank regular or decaf coffee. Improved disease-free survival. That's pretty amazing. Now, tea contains caffeine, maybe not as much as coffee when you compare it. And when I give talks on my liver talks, and sometimes in Anaheim, there's 7,000 clinicians. And uh, they'll come up to me and say, Dr. Chopra, many of them, many of them from Indian origin, and if they're from North India, they're tea drinkers. Dr. Chopra, you didn't mention anything about tea. And I usually do, but sometimes I forget. I wait for the Q&A. And it turns out for tea, I've seen three studies. One, less carotid calcification. So by inference, less stroke. Then a recent study, less stroke. And then less cognitive decline, early Alzheimer's. 
for coffee, there are like 50 to 100 studies. And what I tell my friends and colleagues is that the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. It may turn out that tea, we'll discover, has many, many health benefits. And as Elliot said, it may be that the foundation to some extent is coffee. There's a... Uh, is there's a Yeah, there's a... Uh... There's an old, um, when, when coffee hit uh, Europe, there's a story in, in, um, in Belgium where, because Europe used to be a, a tea drinking nation also until coffee got there. And when <laughs> there's these twins that ended up going to prison, it's a very funny story. These twins were in prison and the, there was this big country, because they believe, which is deeply steeped in racism that like, uh, since Turkey, since the Turkish Empire was the one that brought coffee to Europe, they thought they thought coffee was Muslim, right? So that was, in their head, the coffee was Muslim. So there was this deep seated belief that <laughs> coffee was evil, right? And that tea was gospel. So there was these <laughs> twins that were in prison, and they were like, "All right, let's just see. Let's feed one of them just coffee and the other one just tea." <laughs> and and they both died, right? Because prison conditions were awful. Because the prison conditions were terrible, right? So it's just this funny story how like we've like what you try to we've been trying to figure out which one of these is better for a long time, and had nobody has figured out the best study. And it and what's funny is like that same the archbishop at the time who um who who was brought the case of uh of this situation and when coffee came, came to the they was like well this is this this muslim thing you know what i'm saying like just again <laughs> steeped in racism right oh yeah the bishop, the bishop goes well let me try it so yeah. he just drinks the coffee and he was like listen if this is evil then uh we need to just go ahead and bless it because i'm enjoying this so can we can we consecrate this then <laughs> so you know that's that's so uh, hilarious and so informative yeah. and it shows how we are all many of us are biased and prejudiced mm -hmm. but one of the stories about the legend of coffee is that in the 16th century there's a Sufi mystic from India by the name of Badan mm -hmm. and he went to Yemen that yep. time Mecca was part of Yemen yep. on a pilgrimage and he was blown away by coffee Mm -hmm. And he wanted to bring it back to India. Now, you could import coffee powder, but you can't import the beans because then you might start your own plantation. Yeah. And he had a big beard and he actually smuggled seven big coffee beans. <laughs> if he was caught for smuggling, the punishment was death. I did not know so that. One of, one of the uh, earliest plantations in the world, 16th century, is near Bangalore, India. And India is now the seventh largest producer of coffee in the world. Yeah. I mean, we all know Brazil is number one. Colombia has very good coffee, but Mexico, Costa Rica, yeah. so many countries with amazing coffee, 2.25 billion cups of which are consumed every day. It's the number oh, one gosh. beverage. Coca-Cola has seen the writing on the wall. About two years ago, they bought a chain of coffee shops in all the European airports, if you go, you'll see Costa Coffee, Costa Coffee mm -hmm. for something like $5.3 billion. Pepsi is coming out with a coffee-infused drink. 
Two years ago, more than $1 billion were invested in our country in coffee startups. Starbucks was at one time opening 300 Starbucks in China every quarter. Now, as Elliot knows, and you might know, you know, primary liver cancer is a big cause of cancer mortality uh, in the world. <clears throat> and in China, particularly related to chronic hepatitis B virus infection, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next two decades where the cancer mortality from liver cancer in China plummets because they're drinking more coffee. So I have a saying, what is BC and AD? And when I ask my friends, they go, oh, BC, before Christ, AD, Anna Domini? I said, no, no, no. BC and AD stands for before coffee and after double espresso. Yup. <laughs> Let me... Uh... I want to, I'm going to ask you guys in a moment about uh, how much coffee you drink and how. But before I do that, just something that we've kind of touched on a couple times now, but I just want to clarify. Dr. Tapper, so we were talking about these different forms of, of drinking coffee and how there might be different associated risks. And when you start to read a little bit about the coffee literature, it does seem that there are some some potential increased uh, cholesterol raising compounds like cathostol that might come out in a French press a little bit more than say a mocha, which is in a little bit more than say your regular filtered coffee is, do you feel like there's any real evidence behind that? Do you feel like that is something we can say safely at this point that, that might alter the way people take their coffee or do you feel it's just too early? Well, I personally think that, that it's too early and I definitely agree with uh, the, uh, the argument to avoid anchoring on these sort of surrogate biomarkers. The most important thing about coffee is that you're drinking it instead of something else. And uh, by and large, like in a clinic that specializes in fatty liver disease, my number one enemy is sugar sweetened beverages. And if somebody told me that they were switching from sugary Coke uh, or, uh, or, uh, to black coffee, or if they were switching from adding a bunch of sugar to their co uh, coffee to black coffee, I would be thrilled. And so would their liver. So uh, that's the most important thing. Any of those small differences would be mm -hmm. wa wa washed away. It's about uh, trade-offs. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So, El you know, Elliot is uh, an amazing hepatologist and absolutely brilliant and keeps publishing, very prolific. And every time I see it, Elliot, truly my heart expands. Now, you mentioned non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. The estimate is that in our country, 70 to 100 million Americans have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So-called because under the microscope, it looks like alcoholic liver disease, but these people are not drinking alcohol or they're drinking minimal amounts. And instead they have type two diabetes, obesity, metabolic syndrome, and so on. We, what a sad commentary. We have three-year-olds in our country with fatty liver from being overweight. We have 16, 17-year-olds with mm. fatty liver and scarring of the liver, fibrosis. And it's estimated that 10 times as many people with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease when it progresses to the next stage and then cirrhosis, 10 times as many will have cirrhosis compared to those with chronic hepatitis C for which we now have a cure. So NAFLD is the enemy. And guess what? People who drink coffee and have NAFLD have the least amount of hepatic fibrosis, scarring of the liver. 
And Elliot, you've done a recent study, right? Looking at elastography and looking at fibro scans, measuring liver stiffness. And again, it panned out. Can you tell us a little bit about that study and explain what a fibro scan is for our listeners? Yeah, because I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, we've, been, we've been using this thing called fibro scan in clinic for uh, about eight years now. And effectively what it is, is it's... Uh, it's like an ultrasound that also jiggles your liver. And then you watch that little jiggle wave move through the liver uh, using the Ooh. ultrasound. And the faster that jiggle wave goes, the stiffer your liver is. And it allows us to sort of predict who's got a lot of scar tissue in it. And for many people, it means we don't have to do things like liver biopsies to diagnose cirrhosis or scar tissues. It can also tell us about how much fat is in the liver. So it's this like super powerful diagnostic tool. And uh, going back to what we were talking about with some of these like large national studies that uh, grill people about what they're eating and what they're drinking. The, one of the biggest ones that goes back now 40 years, the uh, NHANES, uh, which basically samples people from around the country. There's a mobile truck that will pull up to a neighborhood. Uh, it will grab people ask them all these questions, do a fiber scan, and then they'll roll to the next town. So this NHANES in 2017, they added fiber scans. So now we know about liver health for thousands of people that, that uh, are diverse and look like uh, uh, Americans from all walks of life. So, so we, we did a study, we looked at this, uh, where we took all the diet inventory and we looked to see what happens to liver health. And we find that coffee consumption is not associated with fat in the liver which gets back to kind of the mechanism I'm talking about where I'm favoring caffeine, which is more like an anti-scar tissue drug, if you will, but has nothing to do with fat in the liver. But that coffee consumption is associated with a really low risk of having a high uh, rate of scar tissue or even possible cirrhosis. We've done other studies where we looked at diet quality, food insecurity, and sugar-sweetened beverages. And those things are like liver poison. Hmm. So uh, the more sugary drinks you get, the more fat in your liver, the more scar tissue, but the more coffee controlling for things like sugary drinks and diet quality, the lower yeah. the risk of scar tissue. So that's where I sort of graduated from being uh, someone who would always poo poo these large studies to someone who, who stopped complaining online about them. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all so figured you know, out a way to, you know, Voltaire, oh. the French philosopher had some of the best things. He said, every man is guilty of all the good he did not do. Yeah. He also said, cherish those who seek the truth, but beware of those who find it. Mm. <laughs> now, Walter <laughs> lived to the age of 83 years when life expectancy was in the 40s. And it is not proof. It is not proof that he lived that long because he drank a lot of coffee. But guess how many cups of coffee he drank in a day? You'll never be able to guess it. Ten. The answer is 50 to 72 cups of coffee a day. That's not, What was that's he doing? Not that's too much. That's he was not, in the bathroom most of the time. That's... Now people say, what size? When I give some of my talks, they say, what size? And I say, how does it matter? If, even if it's minuscule like this, 50 adds up to a lot. <laughs> yeah, Jefferson still, drank a like... lot of coffee. Teddy Roosevelt drank a lot of coffee. His grandson once said, grandpa's coffee mug is so huge. It is akin to a bathtub. 
Yes. <laughs> Big saves coffee. Yes. I used to, that was my running joke when people would ask me uh, how much coffee I drank a day. I would be like, <laughs> I'd be like, yo, just one cup. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes. One For our listeners, just, Prop yeah. has brought out his giant thermos of uh, coffee. Giant thermos. <laughs> what are you talking about? Just one cup. No, nah, I'm at about, I'm at about four to five, four to five yeah, cups. I, I drink four cups, but I've consumed them before 4 p.m. Yeah, me what, too. Yeah, it's all it's all by two o'clock. I drink my last it black. Cup. I drink it black. No sugar, Only. no milk, no cream, just black. And how do you do you do it with a drip coffee? What's your preferred coffee? Me? So both I have I have to um disclaimer, I'm on a board of a coffee company. It's called Purity, and they have the highest amount of chlorogenic acid and these contaminants. But when I joined the board, I said, listen, I cannot promote your coffee. There's no study comparing it to Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or Pete's or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if you want me to talk about coffee, I'll do it. But I won't just talk about coffee. I'll talk about coffee, exercise, vitamin D, nuts, meditation. I wrote a book called The Big Five, that if you do these five things, you live longer based on scientific evidence. And the easy way to remember is that on a good sunny day, go for a brisk walk to your favorite Java shop. Now you got three out of those five things, right? Mm -hmm. You got sunny day, you got the vitamin D from the sun, you got the exercise and you went to a coffee shop. Fourth one, don't go nuts remembering this. That's number four. And the fifth one is before you go meditate, you got all five. And there's an ancient Indian saying, you should meditate once a day. And if you don't have time to do that, you should meditate twice a day. (laughs) I did about 20 of these radio and TV shows when that book came out. And six months later, I told everyone, give me half a minute at the end to summarize, whether it was 10 or 20 minutes. Six months later, they'd meet me, Dr. Chopra, Sanjeev, five things. That's how you remember. You know, it's interesting you say that. Like about 10 years ago, um, Mental Floss put out this article about the daily habits of some of the world's greatest thinkers going back from like, you know, from ancient philosophers uh. all the way up to like modern day philosophers and, and, and thought leaders. And there was a recurrent theme that you could see in them because some of these people were around way before we had exercise as we know it today. Sure. But a real recurrent theme was, you know, coffee and <laughs> brisk walks. They took some point in their day to take yeah. a brisk walk, brisk walk to yeah. get like the blood flowing. They would, that's what they would get some of their best thinking. It's really interesting. So and naps. And naps, naps, huge on naps. I love that, that they took naps. Yeah. Tell us about you, how, how you do it, Prop. How do you drink? Yeah. How much and, and what do you drink? Yeah. So there's, for me, it's like, uh, it, it is part of making coffee in the morning is part of my meditative ritual. You know, so like I, I do enjoy the ritual of slowing down, hand grinding beans, you know, putting them on the scale, making the coffee. So I do probably a... a some version of a pour over first um we got the espresso machine in the house so then i'll like pull a shot also and then the afternoon kick is like a cold brew so like i have something in the fridge and i'll just <laughs> drink that out and do the cold brew so uh and then it just kind of depends you know like it's like oh what's what's my mood today you know what i'm saying and and i'll go with a different way um and, and some of it's just like the experimenting with different regions of beans, like somebody will send me a bag and I'm like, I want to dial it in. Like, what's what's the best way to get these flavors talking, you know? And and then it's like, oh, I messed up. Got to make another one, you know? And then uh, <laughs> so then you're just like, what are you talking about? I'm trying to get the coffee right. It's the <laughs> fifth cup by then. Yeah. 
What about you, Elliot? You know, uh, I uh, my uh, relationship with coffee is less ritual. Uh, I at these the, these days, every now and then, I'll have a shot of Nespresso. We've got I, I like uh, Nespresso, and when I was in med school, I would uh, start the day with Waffle House coffee, and I could still taste it. Uh, mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. a great way to start. But I'm yeah. I drink a ton of highly caffeinated so diet soda. That so oh I can't. I have to be authentic here. <laughs> diet soda. <laughs> you know any, Elliot, anybody please, who knows Elliot, me. With... Elliot, it changes Elliot. the gut microbiome, and your blood sugar goes up higher with diet coke than with regular. Elliot's coke. like you're I know. Breaking, you're breaking Elliot's, Dr. Chopra's heart, man. Come on. Elliot goes. I know. I'm totally aware. I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying. I've read every you study know, you he's did. Young. He's young. <laughs> he's young. Doc, he'll get it. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, okay. Oh, that's a good note for us to close out on. I, I, this is really such a pleasure talking to you guys. I really appreciate the time you, you've spent here with me. Um, I want to make sure everyone gets a chance to follow you uh, on your social media and, and get your books. So let's start with you, Dr. Chopra. Please tell our listeners where they can find you and how they can get your, a hold of uh, some of your many books. Yeah, so, you know, I'm on Facebook, Sanjeev Chopra MD. I'm on Twitter. Um, I have about 20,000 followers on Twitter and 5,000 people I connect with on Facebook. I also have a website, Sanjeev Chopra, one word, S-A-N-J-I-V-C-H-O-P-R-A.com. And a lot of information is there, although I need to update it. Um, In addition to the coffee book that I just wrote, I wrote a book with a brilliant colleague of mine, Martin Abramson associate professor on diabetes, conquer your diabetes, prevention, control, remission with 25 chapters. And guess what? There's one chapter on coffee. <laughs> Thank you so much, sir. And uh, Elliot, where, where can people find you? Well, I tweet at EB Tapper and uh, mainly about the, uh, pu- papers and publications from Liverland. Fantastic. And Liverland. Prop, prop again, where can people uh, check you out and hear you? Yeah. Music? Yeah. All of my things are prop hip hop. So that's the Twitter, Instagram website. Uh, it's coffee there. There's books there. There's music there. Also, uh, I'm adding this. I was very fascinated with your, your liver test because I was like, you found a way to slap a liver and see if it jiggles. <laughs> I was like, Y'all treat livers like we treat our rear ends. Like, you know, slap it, see if it jiggles. You got too much fat in that liver, homie. That thing jiggling. And I'm like, dang, that's really, really? That's how y'all figure it out? <laughs> you know, not, not only that, this test, you can do it in less than five minutes. You can do it at the point of care. You see a patient in the office and you send them next door to get the fibro scan. Then they come back with the reading. Dang. And you, you look at a hundred times more liver volume than a two centimeter core of liver tissue on a biopsy, which is somewhat invasive. It's an amazing test. Now, where do you live? Where do you live? I live in Los Angeles. Oh, I'm coming there to have coffee with you. Yes, you are. (laughs) Have coffee. And anytime you're in Boston, you're my guest. If Let's you're in go. San Francisco, sir, come visit me as well. We'll go get yeah. some Phil's coffee around the, the <laughs> corner here. Yeah. That goes uh, for all of you guys, too. Uh, thank you all so much for, for joining me today. Terrific. All right, thank guys. you for inviting us. Hey, great. All day. the best. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified health care provider for your specific health care needs or concerns. 
The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.